Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast episode 58. I'm your host, as always, Karsten Tamar, and we got, after weeks, the gang is back together fully. First off, Paul Price, how are you doing this fine Monday afternoon when we're recording it? Well, um, I'm still a little hungover, but I'm doing better. Um, my friends came over and uh, they wanted to make watermelon rosé, but instead we made watermelon margaritas and they were not good. Uh, <laughs> so we just kept adding tequila to them to make them taste better. And then that's what happens. <laughs> As you do. Alina Falds is also here. How are you doing, Alina? I'm good. I'm finally back after it doesn't feel like it feels like for me it's been a long time, but it's only been like one that I missed. Um, I'm good. I'm settling into my new job. Um, I'm currently supposed to be working right now as we're recording, but you know, it's fine. I work from home. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um, I'm finally getting over my ex-boyfriend. Started seeing a new guy. Might have fucked it up because I'm still struggling to get over my ex-boyfriend, but you know, that's okay. Hot Girl Summer is in full force. We're just trying to live our best lives while I only have my dad to hang out with. My mom has been to Kuwait for six goddamn months because she's being a fascist in the military. So that is all the updates in my life. I am way more isolated than usual. So I'm happy I get to talk to you people again. Well, that's <laughs> great. And hopefully we have a span of three movies that are just all great to take your mind off of it. And first, let's start out with a new A24 film. I remember a time where like A24 would release a film and it was like a big deal. Like, oh, this is going to be some good shit. And now it might just be shit. We'll talk about it. Paul, why don't you introduce us to False Positive, the Hulu original A24 film, the one that just released a week after its debut at uh, Tribeca. That's the festival. Can you introduce us to the film and your thoughts on it? Um, So basically it's a horror movie written by Alana Glazer. And it's about a... (laughs) um, family who's trying to conceive and the trials and tribulations of that mixed with some really terrible terrible horror um it's trying to be one of those uh you know are they crazy are they um really having bad things happen to them and the movie takes the stand of i don't know either way um, it's it's real bad. It's one of the worst. Pierce Brosnan's having fun though. Um, but Good for him. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of our worst movies. There's <laughs> immediate half star on Letterboxd for me. See y'all um. y'all were shitting on this in the group <laughs> chat, and I saved this as the last one I watched last night for the podcast. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. Is this just Paul being negative, Nancy? No offense, Paul. Peace and love. But like, yeah, this is trash. It's not good. There's really nothing to <laughs> this film. It is this incredibly basic, like, story of these people getting pregnant and like just having to go through that. But it's edited and shot in the style of like a bad Black Mirror episode where there's just complete style over any substance as far as what's supposed to engage you. You're supposed to be like, oh my God, there's all this tension. What is happening? But literally nothing happens for the majority of the film. Towards the end, there's at least some reveals. Not that the reveals are even that good or anything, but like this movie is the prime example of a film trying to be cool 
and trying to use style to overcome having literally no substance. You don't know these characters. There's no reason why you should care for these characters. There's no reason why you're supposed to feel any tension. Literally everything is going amazing for them, like better than expected. But they try to do everything in this style that's very off-putting and very off. She tells like her uh, people she works with that she's pregnant and it's supposed to be this really like oh look how weird they are and look how but it's just they're just being supportive and it's like why do I care why do I care for these characters what is this saying and ultimately it says literally nothing um, I did enjoy the constant dig in ads until they were like randomly go uh, <laughs> we'll get something even better than dig in and I was like oh this is not an ad <laughs> this is so weird dig at dig in. Um, yeah, overall, this movie just has so many odd, like, choices. You can tell that she's trying to, um, like, the, the writers, Alana, and the director, I believe, if I'm accurate. Um, you can tell that they really wanted to do something, like, impactful. And they throw everything at the wall um to see what sticks one of the weirdest parts i'm sure you guys have thoughts on it is there's this whole subplot with her um what's the word a doula or a midwife yeah um so one of the weirdest parts in the whole movie is (laughs) this whole subplot with this midwife that she gets um who is very stereotypically um African character and spoiler alert you're not watching this movie um they use it as like a moment to talk about like white privilege or something um where she goes and (laughs) she goes back to the woman and the woman's just in a normal office and she's like I'm not your magical negress it is so weird and it completely just feels like from a different film entirely um but curious what you guys thought about like that and some of the other just weird asides in this film well just to do like my overall I feel like as a person with a uterus I'm kind of like appalled that a person with a uterus like wrote or like like at least helped write this movie because like it's fucking weird it is such a weird take on like pregnancy and infertility and IVF and all these things um and like I'm 24 I haven't experienced this yet but like you still have like a feeling of like oh one day I'm gonna be like a mom and all these things and like a couple months ago I went to my doctor and he thought I'm PCOS because I was hairy plot twist I don't have PCOS I'm just hairy because I'm a fucking brown girl anyway so I was kind of freaking out I was like oh my god like I'm never gonna get pregnant because like this has, can cause like really bad fertility issues and blah 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 and like I don't know I feel like I don't understand how like I don't understand why people do IVF I think even I, it's just weird I think it's the weirding. I don't understand why people have this whole Thing about like how they have to be a parent they have to have biological children because like when I was experiencing this and even though it didn't go like in a negative way I was kind of like well that's it I'm just accepting that I don't want to go through all the like money and like pain that it takes to do IVF and like the way they portray it in this movie 
furthers that like negative view of it like it just feels like the movie portrays it to be this like really like weird and unnatural thing especially with that whole like magical negress plot line because like a midwife is supposed to be like more natural and all these things I don't know just like this entire movie is fucking weird like it is weird as shit and I don't know how to like elaborate past that it's just a fucking weird movie yeah it's also it's really strange because you can tell that obviously Alana wanted to do like something big with this um casting herself and she is probably the weakest actor bar none I mean to be fair Mm -hmm. she's surrounded by an actually pretty good cast of people um but she has no emotion the entire film it's very strange um especially some of the times when she's supposed to be paranoid she's not talking in you know a way that really like feels this emotion at all she's just kind of sitting through I'm also it's really interesting I keep seeing people talk about uh comparisons to this to Rosemary's Baby I don't know if you've seen it Carson um but (laughs) it's nothing like Rosemary's Baby uh (laughs) at all in any capacity uh (laughs) I guess because it's a movie about a pregnancy other than that it has (laughs) no connection you know uh, to what this is and um I think set me up for expecting a lot more interesting film than ended up coming out um yeah and it's it's hard to even talk about this movie without going into spoilers because nothing as Carson was saying nothing happens in the first like 80 minutes of this film um it's very bland and then the last act there's... and it's only 93 minutes longer that says anything yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I remember looking um as I was watching the um I was watching the movie I went and looked and I was like I only have five minutes left how is all of these plot lines gonna get wrapped up they're not <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. oh I the could... other oh go ahead I was just gonna say I feel like it's I don't she they did just such a terrible job of making you connect with the character like the girl because she's so flat and she's so uninteresting and I just like fully was like bitch I don't give a fuck about your infertility issues you're literally the most uninteresting character and like you're supposed to feel bad for her as she's going through all these like crazy delusions and it's like oh my gosh Justin Thoreau and like Pierce Brosnan are like doing this to her and I'm like you're doing this to yourself like he's a doctor trying to help you and your husband trying to help you and like it doesn't come across that they're like evil characters until literally the last five minutes of the movie and I'm just like, why why do you guys write this so fucking shittily I don't understand what they were going for like infertility is a scary thing IVF is a scary thing I'm like is it is that what you're going for because that is such a weird take Cause like, even though I wouldn't do that for myself, I respect it for like other people, but like, I don't understand what the fuck they were actually going for. And to your point, Alina, because this is so empty, you really grasp for straws as far as a message. And what is this film actually saying? It is saying you shouldn't trust doctors. You shouldn't trust IVF. 
Because eventually, it's not even just like, oh, her paranoia, whatever. Like, then at the end, spoiler alert, they justify it because these people are evil and they're pieces of shit. And it's like, so what are you saying? Like, are you trying to say, like, this is a very anti-doctor, very anti-IVF message, which is not what I think it was actually trying to go for. I think especially in horror, you get this really dangerous thing where it's just like, you take these really kind of sensitive topics meant to evoke a reaction. This is a very personal experience, a very, you know, very, you know, personal, very deep experience for women. And now you're just trying to turn that into horror, but you're not really thinking like, what is the purpose? What are you actually saying? I think you fall down a very dangerous rabbit hole. And I think this is like a prime example of a film where the message, because they're so just casual and so lackluster about their focus and direction and message, it becomes a very dangerous message very quickly. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's a very strange film. Um, But I mean, in positives, there was one shot that I really loved, and it was at the beginning. And I think that they overdo it after that point. But um, there's a shot where they're having their first conversation really together as a couple um, that we're seeing. And they're in their bathroom, and it's a mirrored image shot. And that was really cool. I don't think it particularly said anything. And then I saw later that they were trying to say something about it. But um yeah, there's like some cool cinematography tricks. Um, <laughs> it's Same also cinematographer really- as Midsummer and Hereditary, and like a lot of those. Nobody. Same cinematographer as nobody. So yeah, well, the, the other the cinematographer is great. Yeah, the other thing that's weird if you look up all these people's credentials is the director. The only other thing he's done is Pee Wee's Big Holiday <laughs> from. Uh, 2016 which is like also known as like a really bad Wee herman movie <laughs> um like even amongst fans uh so it's just wild that he shows back up in, with an a24 movie um that is very weak um it's no surprise that uh they dumped this onto hulu <laughs> i even had one of my friends who um oh, watch it with me who doesn't particularly like get into quality movies or whatever just enjoys things and she was like i would have quit out if you weren't watching us <laughs> she was so over it um which is kind of like disappointing for <laughs> you know what i think is really interesting is before we started recording you mentioned how this reminded you a lot of sound of violence and saint Maud, and just going back to the discussion of like a moral and the morality of these films both of those movies we criticized because the one, the thesis was gay people are literal demons. The other one was like this story of a deaf uh, black person and like, oh, she's a murderer and she's horrible and you shouldn't trust her. Like, I find it very funny how you brought those connections up and how all those films really do feel lackluster in just very similar ways. And I guess actually now I'm becoming a little bit more concerned thinking about it. This is a genre we're going to see going forward. Yeah. Um, the funniest thing about this is, no, I did not talk about it oh. in relation to false positive. You meant censor. I talked about it in relation to censor, but it perfectly fits yeah, it with does. this too. Um, the only difference is uh, very little um, is that she's not a murderer, at least. No. I don't think. Um, although she does try to stab a woman in the throat with uh like equipment 
We've all um, been there, though. The nurse was crazy. The nurse, I liked the nurse character. Like, she was so fucking scary. I think she was, like, the most underused character in this movie. Yeah. No, she was, uh, she was really funny. I don't know who the actress was, but, yeah, I really enjoyed her. Oh, was that Gretchen Mole? Mm-hmm. I think so. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I think that it could have been really great, and it was not. Um, yeah, this movie made me feel really icky. That's the best yeah. way to describe it. Icky. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. And it sucks because this is what I was genuinely looking forward to for, like, since I put on, like, the calendar. And I was like, oh, that's fun. A24 Horror on Hulu. And it was bad. So that sucks. But since we've already kind of, I've confused the conversations at least, why don't we jump into our other female-led horror film that we're talking about this week, Censor. Alina, could you introduce this one and your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, I guess I will attempt. I don't know. I know that you liked this one, Carson, but like, I just couldn't get into it. And I don't know why, because the concept of it is really interesting. There's like this woman and she's, her job is to like censor movies or whatever they shoot just this one movie and then it connects to like something in her past and then like she gets like fucking unhinged and I was like okay that's fun but like it wasn't fun for me and I don't know why and I watched it yesterday afternoon and I've been trying to figure out why I had such a hard time with it and I still can't figure it out so maybe we can unpack that today I think a lot of it comes down to the aesthetic of it. This is a very aesthetic-led horror film. I appreciate the first half of this film much more than the second half. I think the second half bites off more than it could chew and definitely like loses the plot and just loses the impact and focus of the first half. But I did appreciate the aesthetic quite a bit, this whole idea of like repressed memories um, and this kind of horror slowly creeping into itself. I believe, Paul, you also saw, I think it was called The Intruder last year, AFI Fest. I might be thinking about someone else, but I know they hate, whoever it was, hated that film. I also appreciated that film in a very similar matter. Um, I just think this is like, this is the style of horror that maybe it's not a masterpiece. Maybe it doesn't, you know, fully grip me towards the end but at least in a setup it works enough to grab my attention and put me on the edge of my seat and make me at least care enough to watch the film again do I think it's a masterpiece no um but I think overall as an aesthetically led horror film this one was pretty all right yeah um I really like this actress um she was also in um Wrath of Man um And so that's kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to watch it was purely because of her. And she's great, but I'm kind of with Alina. I was just more bored than anything. Um, There's also a weird feeling of like a movie about censor. I was expecting to be a little bit more uh, gratuitous and it's, it's pretty shy on a lot of the violence which isn't something necessarily bad, but it is odd to watch a film that (laughs) starts with, you know, the conceit of, oh, this is going to be, you know, all the sleazy band films uh, from the 80s and then never really delivers on that kind of like slasher gore, especially in the last act. Um, There's always cutaways uh, whenever the violence is happening, which I think kind of muddles the message um but 
I did like certain sequences and especially the first act I was really enjoying. Um, there was something really cool about the world that they set up. And I was kind of disappointed that they move away from that very quickly. Um, I, all the secondary characters who you meet at the beginning, like don't really matter after a while, um, except for her parents. And then the story of her sister becomes the, the focal point uh, to like a slightly annoying amount <laughs> um, when I thought it was going to be a much more like, you know, uh, a thesis on, yes, she is watching violence constantly and that is <laughs> causing her to become violent, which I thought was an interesting twist. But I don't know. By the way, was it you who saw the intruder at AFI Fest and hated it, or was it someone else? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes, it was me, and um, I didn't hate it. I was just very, very bored. And I also, the only thing I remember about that movie is that, like, 35 minutes in is when they put the title, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which was very funny to me. Uh, <laughs> the good, like, third of the way through the film, they're like, oh, yeah, this is what it's called, by the way. Um, but I did like the very nineties aesthetic of this, um, eighties, nineties aesthetic, the VCR. Um, I thought the final sequence where it was all shot like those movies was kind of cool. And there were parts I liked. Um, I just feel like it needed another pass in the writing. I do think we have taken into account that this is a feature directorial debut, to a point, like, especially with horror and especially like weird aesthetic horror, there is so much, like even on the podcast, we've covered so much other, like so many other pieces of shit that are genuinely terrible. I mean, even with like false positive, like the fact that this is a directorial debut with a strong aesthetic, but also has enough substance to at least feel somewhat rewarding. Like that feels, and it's weird, but it feels like refreshing to me that like I watched this horror film for this podcast and I was like, oh, it's good. It's fine. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, I, I think it was a really, um, it is a good calling card to see what he does next. Um, and mainly, I'm not even going to attempt to say her name because it's Irish, but um, I really hope the lead actress keeps doing stuff. Are you going to uh, try Carson? Is it? N- uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Isn't it just like Niam Algar? Nyam Falgosh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep, Carson, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> well, Nyam Algar, <laughs> I appreciate you. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, she. That won't be a clip, by the way, Paul, before you ask. It's not going to be a clip on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> we just get attacked by Irish people. Um, I think it's pronounced Neve. Like Shulman? Home? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Like her first name, like Neve something. Neve like- Algar. Because, oh god, yeah, because Irish has like weird letters. Like, just a second, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Neve because there's no TikTok with that name. Let's see, Nymph, Nymph, Can you hit that again? Nymph, yeah, I was trying. You just talked over it. Nymph, Algar, Nymph, Algar. Liam um, Algar. I think it's me. Whatever. I, this I is mean, embarrassing for us North Americans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I mean, like I, I looked it up on the Learning Family, so I would assume that they. That's had 141 views. <laughs> Probably all podcasts who watch Sensor who are trying yeah. to pronounce her name. See, and we're um, real. We don't hide that we didn't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think she was the best part of Wrath of Man. So it was fun to see that. That's not very hard to do. Yeah, I know. But it's also like, <laughs> I she's a secondary character and I think was really good in that. Um it is interesting that she looks completely different in every single role she's in. Um, it'll be funny to see her career moving forward because I think it's going to become one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, is that that girl from... Because I think she was also in an HBO show called Raised uh, Raised by Wolves, which I couldn't get into, but... She was also in lead. Calm with Horses, which I missed but was going to watch. Oh, interesting. good things. Okay, and then let's move on to the main event. Rev your engines, ladies and gentlemen. We have the ninth or tenth, if you want to count the side story, edition in the Fast and Furious Saga F9. Some some places call it F9 the Fast Saga. I'm just going to call it F9. Justin Lin has finally, after over a year of waiting, of delays, I should say, um, brought F9 to the big screen. I will introduce this once we've all done one. Um, I'm not the hugest fan of the Fast and Furious saga. There's quite a few I appreciate. I like the first three. I like five. And then from there, it's like, eh, it's fine. You know, Furious 7 has a really good ending. But from there, it's pretty average, I would say. I think F9 is pretty in line with that. I don't really get all the hate this is getting, specifically from people who, like, were really okay with the previous films. I don't get how you can be like, three stars for F8, and then be like, F9, star and a half, unacceptable. Like, it's very in line. Um, I will say, actually, this film, like, shockingly with giving the um, backstory of Dom and breaking into, like, his personal life a little bit more, I would say actually find some of the best emotions of the franchise so far. Um, The action's fine. It's, like, it's Fast and Furious. I feel like if you get into this film and you're expecting, like, a fully serious drama, you're senile. Like, at heart, this is a Fast and Furious film, and if you want to see cars go very, very fast, this does that. Paul, I think you're the only one other here, only other one here to see it. Did you appreciate this film the same way, or did you were you one of those anti F9? Um, it's funny. I was trying to think of a way that I could uh, describe these movies, but the funniest part is, I was going to completely separate from the theme of these films. Uh, say it feels like when you meet up with a like relative that you kind of like every couple of years and just like check in on them. And you're like, oh, cool. That was pleasant. Um, and then never think about them again until the next reunion. Uh, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing with these movies. I've seen them all. I could not tell you anything about the movies until I'm in them. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot Helen Mirren's in this. And, <laughs> uh, you know, all these people have died and come back to life. And Gal Gadot was in this for two seconds. And, um, now she's coming back um but it's really? like it's, is she not didn't she die everyone's I, okay, I died seen f9 <laughs> okay it's, i've only made it to six because like i thought i was gonna hate these movies and i do but i really liked fast five and i feel like i've stockholm syndrome myself into caring about these characters and i've been putting off watching seven because i don't want to see paul walker go 
And also, I haven't gotten a chance to see F9 yet anyway, because theaters are still not open in Ontario. So I'm sorry, I cannot offer my thoughts, but I, I can offer questions. Um, she, it's, it's implied with the setup at, uh, towards the end of this one that they're going to go back to that well once again. Um, but, <laughs> um, it's, I didn't hate this one. Um, I know I disliked F8. I remember disliking it, but, um, this one has like, uh, a general just like feels like everyone's having fun and because the two like um most air sucking characters in terms of like star power and everything um are gone from this one jason statham and um the rock it really allows for like the random small characters to have moments um, Nathalie Emanuel, who's been in the movies, I think like the past one or two, at least two, um, never has had really a moment. And then this one, she's one of the major characters. It was really cool, uh, to see them branching out. Um, uh, the one thing that really is like truly terrible though, is, um, the flashback sequences with uh <laughs> John Cena and uh Vin Diesel um <laughs> they cast these characters and the one for Vin Diesel is this very tall very buff man and then they cast John Cena's character and it's a small child <laughs> it's like the guy is maybe like five foot five and this little scrawny guy and I do not know how John allowed that to happen because the guy looks they also look nothing like them at all to the point that um I was watching through those scenes trying to figure out who they were supposed to be until that was like oh it says Toretto on their shirts um but the funniest part being then I went, oh, then that must be John Cena younger. No, it was their dad. And that guy looked just like John Cena. So just very confused the whole time. Um, and they go back to that well a lot. I would say a good like 15, 20 or more minutes of this movie are flashbacks to these two characters um, and does not explain anything that isn't explained immediately after by one of the characters. Um but outside of that, it's just, it's dumb fun. Um, I don't understand people talking about it, like, less critically than the others. Like, this one is suddenly, like, not as good. I think people just haven't watched them in theaters in a while <laughs> and are going back and, like, oh, maybe these aren't good as a whole. But, like, they're, they're fun. My one friend uh, that I went with who loves these movies hated this one and i can't see what you <laughs> didn't see in this one that you did see in the others because they feel exactly the same um although the whole uh, space sequence is a complete flop and i assume it's just yeah. a setup for the next one but it does not work at all neither does keeping charlie's theron in a box for an entire film Neither does the consistent choices. Star Wars references for some reason. There's oh, so many Star Wars jokes in the I don't get it. There's a couple of things I dislike about the film actively that like 
stand out in this one compared to the others. Like the humor overall, I don't think the franchise has ever been that funny. But like here, I don't think John Cena is particularly good, which is sad to say because he's so charismatic and like Bumblebee even, um, but blockers and just in general, I mean, he beams with charisma. Um, he's probably the funniest person I've ever seen at a Comic-Con who did a panel for Bumblebee and he just tore the house down. Um, and here he's so stale and he's so rough, but also like in his casting, I find it very curious that like he he's clearly supposed to not be a white guy. Like his character is not white. Yeah, and they even have a line where they're like, oh, I didn't expect your bloodline to have like European in it. And it's like, well, he's he's white. It's John Cena. And no one is talking about that. And it's just very strange to me. Like it felt very off and very like almost racist, but whatever. Um, that, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be think pieces out there about that sometime down the line. Carson, wait, have you seen those TikToks of people when they have like a light-skinned baby and the audio is like, whose goddamn white baby is that? Is it like yeah. that? Yes. That's weird. That's it's so very strange. What's <laughs> um, his name in this movie? Like obviously Jacob, Jacob Tretto. Tretto. He couldn't have Tretto. even like Hispanic it up. That's weird. Jacob with a K. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Tretto. Oh. It's not good. Um, I also think the action. I, I like the action in this, but I think it's a very dangerous direction for the franchise. Number one, this film is very like obviously self-aware that no character dies, but it's to the point where like I don't feel any like nervousness even no matter how big the action scene is because like oh no one's gonna die from this and where I think overall on the big screen it still works we're getting two more films of this that's what four more five more hours of Fast and Furious guaranteed I think it's gonna become dull very very quickly if I'm being honest I think you need someone to die you need to have more stakes and also eventually you mentioned the space scene the action's getting on such a large scale that it's really running out of ways to one-up itself to, and to the point where like, sure, the fast cars are fun, but when you have cars like going to space and stuff, it's only going to be fun for so long. And I don't know how this film or how this franchise is going to evolve to where the action is still as fresh and still, well, not necessarily even fresh, but just as fun in the future films. So I'll say like, those might not affect F9, but I think this is laying a very dangerous groundwork for the future films. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially, I mean, this just broke all the, you know, pandemic box office records just instantaneously. Um, so it will be interesting to see what they do after 11. Um, I know there's talk of a, a female-led movie, which actually would be <laughs> far more interesting to me than any of the... <laughs> Uh, current ones just because it's all like amazing cast um and then uh there's Hobbs and Shaw but you can't you're not going to give up on this cash cow when it's still making this much money um so it'll be interesting to see what they have to do in this pivot um I would assume Carson to your point that they actually will probably par things down to more street racing style things again within the world. Um, reintroducing Lucas Black's character who <laughs> looks so different than he does in uh, Tokyo Drift. It is insane. Um, but uh, I think that they're trying to figure out what they're going to move forward with um, once Vin Diesel's done. And it'll be curious to see even if he does stay finished after these last two. 
he says he wants to do a musical. He said, I believe he was down for the Jurassic Park crossover. I'm really like, before this film, I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to do time travel. I genuinely could see them doing time travel and doing a Jurassic Park like um, crossover, like going back to the age of the dinosaurs. Like, I, I really am like, I, I, I'm curious your thoughts on it. Well, both of your thoughts, actually. On like, do you want them to go that batshit insane or do you want them to ground yes. us more? Um, well, for me, I have had a rough time with like the first couple ones. They were like more grounded and about street racing. And I don't give a fuck about cars at all. I don't even have my license. So I was like, this like is totally stupid and irrelevant. I don't understand how people like these movies. Then like Fast Five and that heist, I was like, this is fun. I can feel it going off the rails. Um, like the rest of you said, I'm down for it to go completely off the rails. I feel like Supernatural. You know how, like, as the Supernatural series just kept continuing, they just did, like, the most insane, stupid-ass shit? Do it. That's the only way you can go. To, like, fully squeeze the life out of something, you have to go batshit insane. I'm down for a fucking musical with Vin Diesel. Um, the replies underneath that tweet of them suggesting song titles were so fucking funny. I want a song title about Paul Walker and his tuna sandwich. I would like it. Um, I'm down for a Jurassic Park crossover I want them to go totally batshit insane because it's what the people deserve. Um, I am cautious. I think I would like both. Honestly, I would like one that goes back more to the Fast Five era of just like kind of crazy. Um, Alina, you have not watched some of these newer ones. Um, so you don't know how <laughs> off the rails they already are. Um, I know, but I can feel it coming. There's a whole (laughs) subplot in this one where they're talking about how they're gods and invincible. And then the plot line is never wrapped up in any legitimate way. And it's like, oh, I guess they are. (laughs) What we're saying is, yes, they are, in fact, invincible gods. Um, There is an interesting thing with the Paul Walker-ness of it all. um, Referencing... Uh, what you just mentioned Elena but um, they keep his character alive and a part of it even though it makes no sense at this point why uh, you know Brian wouldn't be in any of these sequences and I understand why they can't kill him and why they need Jordana Brewster you know to come back Um, but it's this final scene um where they literally have him drive up was like, it was pushing it for me. I was like, this man is dead. And you're like, no, 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 he's in the car. (laughs) I was a hundred percent convinced, very minor spoilers in this film. There's a very specific scene. I genuinely thought they were going to bring him back using like CG or like visual effects. I genuinely was like, oh, they're doing it. Holy shit. They're doing it. And luckily they didn't do it. I but. see I would be fine with it because his brothers did it the first time to finish up fast seven. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if they want to come back and, you know, have him exist, I'm fine with that. And they probably will for the last one. He's not, yeah. they're not going to like constantly have him not in a car or just hanging out just outside. No, I agree. Um, We're probably going to get it. And luckily it's visual effects have come a long way since Furious seven, considering that looked like shit, but I uh, do not remember it looking bad all i remember is just the uh final shot which was genius um 
Alina doesn't know this because we're just spoiling no. her. I already, well, when that movie came out, everybody like talked about that. So like, even if you have like no idea about Fast and Furious, everyone knew like that's how they like fixed Furious 7 or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, um, made the movie better. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, like um, I feel it again. I haven't watched past six yet because I don't, I can't. I'm sad that Paul Walker is gone, honestly. Um, but like, it's definitely plausible that his character would come back because in the fifth one, he's just like living his best life with his baby and Mia. And then he like comes back for the sake of coming back. And I'm like, why? Just enjoy your life with your fucking baby and die. So I don't know. It's definitely in Brian's nature. Yeah, it's- I don't know. It might be tacky to bring him back, but since he's like dead in real life, but what can you do? Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, it is interesting to see how um, movies deal with these, like, real-life deaths. Like, you can go from, like, Hunger Games with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, which was weird, um, to what they do in uh, Rise of Skywalker, which is weirder, uh, <laughs> to, you know, you can just keep going down the line of all these, like, dealing with uh, a character uh, like a real actor dying um, is always really interesting um, and I think it's just starting to become like a little morbid it feels like I think what did he die in 2013 like eight years later we're still <laughs> like acting like he's not I don't know the point of that either um, I know you can't kill him off but I don't understand why you would continue to have him in it. You don't um, need to continually reference him and like talk about yeah, him. Yeah. Just like, and like move on. Everyone knows like why Brian's not there. You don't need to justify yeah. it for you every job. Like we get it. Yeah. And that's um, that and Hobbs and Shaw. It was an interesting thing um, to start seeing how they're splitting these characters off. <laughs> because with the things that are going on in this movie it's like end of the world stuff that Hobbs and Shaw who are now heroes aren't there is so weird um especially since uh <laughs> I wanna say Shaw yeah uh Shaw's mother is in this um for another cameo I'm assuming that they're saving Helen Mirren for a big thing in the next one because there's no reason she keeps coming back um other than uh, she she loves doing weird movies. What I will say, it pisses me off beyond like you can imagine that this series is ending on 11 and not 10. That is so perfect to just do F10. Why are you doing F11? Like, just do 10. Well, because they're not calling it F11. They're calling it F10 part one and two. Are they actually? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah i just don't like that whole part thing it's stupid i thought we were over that with avengers um yeah it's i it is interesting with part movies i mean i don't even know what there's no plot set up other than charlie's that yeah <laughs> uh i can even see like moving towards any sort of end game which is weird because this one should be setting those pieces up and it does not um, I don't know. And it'll also be interesting to see if Cena comes back. 
Um, I assume he will. They need to have that Cena and Rock moment together. And probably in the very final. I assume he's going to miss part one, but part two, he'll come back. That would make sense. Uh-huh. There's no way they've introduced this character just to have it end like he does in this film. Yeah. I was no. on Twitter. Like, I, okay, I was on Twitter as usual. And I saw this like thing that um, people really want like John Cena, The Rock, and Dave Bautista to all be in like one movie. And Dave Bautista was like, nah, fam, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> he said so no. He was offered a he was ever. offered a Fast and Furious and he said no. Who was? Yeah, and I'm just like, Dave, big Dave. Dave Bautista. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, good actor Dave. <laughs> <laughs> He's too good for the shit. He's gonna be in Army of the Dead instead. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. I think I'm so worn down by movies that, like, are supposed to be fun and just aren't, that this one actually was a little fun, that I, like, was just, you know, very excited about it. Um, Yeah. I feel like that's a running theme on this episode. It's like, well, Censor wasn't great, but, like, man, there's so many horror films that just are horrible. At least it's fine. This film is not necessarily great, but, like, wow, there's so many big action films. And you went and saw, like, The Hitman's Wife, Bodyguard 2, or whatever it's called. Like, you really go out there for them. I don't, unless they're, like, Well, that one I thought we were maybe watching for the podcast. Um, That, yeah, that's a really good comparison to this, actually. Because Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard is horrible. Uh, It's not funny. It's very annoying. And there is this thing of, like, oh, you want to hang out with the characters the actors i guess in those movies and that's how i feel in this but there's something about like these characters are all pretty likable and i think it's all because they genuinely seem to like each other within the movie verse um i would guess that they're not actually all friends (laughs) i don't see any of these people hanging out but um yeah it's just very interesting to um like watch a movie where people seem to be having fun um compared to hitman's Wars. bye go ahead aren't there rumors about um like the rock and vin diesel not liking each other yeah well, or did i, mean, I make like, that up okay no no that's like i mean they're literally not even in the same uh throughout all of f8 like they're not even in scenes together they're like post put together it's very weird <laughs> Did you see Vin Diesel come out after this one and be like, oh, I had to push The Rock. Like, he was like, oh, I pushed The Rock to be good in those films. Uh, I mean, I believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty like, okay, sure, Vin. Has Vin also, okay. Complete, complete side point about Vin. Like, is it just me or is he getting worse with every film? Every film, he's kind of like, he expresses a little bit less and he's like, very much like melting into just like having one face and like he's just yeah. getting less and less personable and less and less like human with every film yeah no it's i think there's a real weird thing going on with Vin diesel uh in that he definitely thinks he's like one of the biggest stars in the world and i don't think outside of this uh any of his movies have done particularly well no um and you know it is interesting because prior to 
Paul Walker's death, I'm sure other people have different opinions, but I felt like Paul Walker was the fast movies and then Vin Diesel was the secondary character, but it's very much his show now. Vin Diesel also said that Paul Walker was the one who sent John Cena to be cast in this role from Beyond the Grave. Paul Walker was the one who pushed John Cena into this role. <laughs> Which okay, that, the I, more we're that I do buy. The them. more I'm obsessed with Vin Diesel. That's hilarious. Oh my well, god. Well, I like if you um I looked him up on Google and the third picture is um of him is like one of the worst photos I've seen of him. And I'm so surprised he hasn't gotten it changed. Uh it's like, it's the one where I don't know if you guys were watching these movies back in the day, but he got like majorly body shamed, but, and it was like this whole thing about like, can you body shame, you know, men type thing. But <laughs> it's so funny that like, oh, is this it was... the one when he's like smoking and then he yeah. has like a big gut? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it was like balcony? a big thing of like, oh Yeah. Yeah. And it's like it's this whole thing about like oh we shouldn't like uh you know make fun of people and then it's just like that's the photo that's just up for him <laughs> um i can't remember if that was during one of his uh i know he gained weight for this movie where he wanted to play a hitman um yeah his career is insane um i don't know if you've like ever dug into it but <laughs> it's this is very like, much this picture is very much like me when I see Yakka posting a bad take on Twitter. <laughs> just annoyed. Yeah, just like annoyed. Your reaction shot. picture. <laughs> um, every time I talk about Vin Diesel, I completely forget that he's also Groot. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Such a, that's such a weird, like, I, I, pulled, up his, I pulled up his uh, letterbox and above all the fast movies is the list of all the guardians and everything mm -hmm. he is riddick um, also kind of going... yeah not, not good sorry I'm... jack sorry yak i'm putting on that fucking uncut gems it was not good <laughs> i haven't seen those but okay going back to like the whole thing about like john you know being cast from beyond the grave okay maybe sure i'll like buy into that because it's funny but like also i know i've talked about this before on the podcast but john Cena, can you please do something like dramatic or like something different because I know you can do it he's not gonna listen to this but he follows me on Twitter even though he follows like hundreds of thousands of people so I hope he does listen to me for the love of God I believe in you please do something that is like interesting like you don't have to keep doing action movies and comedies I know you're comfortable with them but like I believe in you you can do it like at least Dave Batista like kind of does interesting stuff man I feel John like Cena's career John is wild. Cena yeah, I just feel like John Do you not is count Doolittle like, into like rock territory. I haven't don't seen count... Doolittle. Oh God, have you seen Blockers? Like, isn't that a comedy? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not He's good. good yeah, Blockers is great. Yeah, but like I'm saying, like he could do. Something. I want him to do like a weird ass indie movie. He could do it. I believe in him. Totally. See, my cat agrees too. I don't know if you heard that meow. My cat agrees. I mean, we've said we've seen we could see The Rock getting an Oscar eventually. I could see John Cena. He's so likable, and if he just has the right role, I have really never said that The Rock could get an Oscar. No, you don't think when he's older and like he just stops this and he does like a serious movie, he's not going to get an Oscar. No. See, <laughs> I don't know if The Rock would do that because I like him, but I feel like for him, he does movies more for the money. 
rather than like a love of acting that might be shady to say but he is like the highest paid actor in hollywood well he was rich heading into acting so he never really needed to like do it i guess well he did it he claims he did it to like prove himself in like a new world like a world where he didn't have any connections because like yes when you're like a legacy wrestler you'd still have to prove yourself but you also got there because of your daddy you know what i mean so like his whole thing with going into acting was this is like a chance where I can like properly prove myself I don't know I don't know I don't see him doing anything like that isn't um I've not I don't you know anything about the show but isn't the show ballers a little bit more serious I don't know I haven't seen it either Paul maybe I think think it I mean do you think I watch ballers but yes I do think it is a little bit more serious (laughs) You know what's um, up with TV and stuff. I assume you know at least a bit about it. I mean, doesn't he have like it's... a series that he's like about him, like Young Rock? I Young know, Rock, actually, in it. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's I the think... producer. I'll watch on that it. actually. Well, and I yeah believe, if I remember reading correctly, he's president in it as well. Like he, it's set in the future, and he's the president. Um, <laughs> That's which good. feels feels like that one of those. Uh, simpson things where it's like predicts the future <laughs> oh i totally forgot he's in jungle cruise coming out soon oh yeah i guess we're getting one. more we're getting more rock very quickly why is jesse plemons in that okay we'll get there never we don't get into it now <laughs> why is Jesse? anyway plemons? this whole mild tangent it's just like i don't see the rock doing anything dramatic or serious Maybe when he's like old as fuck, but I don't, I feel like he's just leaning more into producing and whatnot. Yeah. These are I, my thoughts. Sure. I've followed this man's career for decades. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't, I personally do not see it. Wait, but do you see it? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if it happened, but I, I think it's unlikely. Now watch. When it happens, Alina's going to ignore this episode and post the one where she said it was going to happen and be like, I always knew. (laughs) No, I don't think it's... Take it to the grave. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it could happen with Batista. Should happen with John Cena. Won't happen with The Rock. Final thoughts. Um, Going back to the the film, um, actually, I was just thinking about the action sequences. And it's so weird that they... uh, blow their load a bit um with the first action sequence that is fantastic in the jungle and then (laughs) every other action sequence is mainly about magnets (laughs) like a good chunk of this film is like here's how magnets work (laughs) and um it was so funny to me i was uh the final sequence especially is so long and doesn't really do anything. And I just imagine these like poor production days where they're just constantly shooting the same cars exploding over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, it's in response to what you were talking about earlier as well about like, should these movies get crazy? Um that is my worry is that like when they are crazier sometimes they're just more boring although i you know the rope swing car situation was (laughs) 
the kind of dumb fun that I expect from these movies. It's the same as the um, jumping buildings in the uh, UAE sequence. I hated the rope swing. That was the only bit of action I truly hated. Oh, I loved it. It's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> the car grabs a rope and <laughs> rope swings. It's so bad. Um, yeah, no, it's... it's he so was bad at robbing trucks, but he can rope swing. Yeah. The car. <laughs> okay, go off. He's He's gotten better in his old age. No, you know, Tokyo time in Tokyo will change you, I guess. So that's going to be it for as far as our reviews. Let's jump in very quickly to our Clappercast film spotlight. I think I'm the only one to know what this film is. So I'll be the only one to talk about it unless someone else did jump in. And then we dance 2019. Love this when it came out. I haven't seen it since. I know this was, I believe, a Georgian film, um, but it's about two dancers who fall in love. Very sweet, very physical. A lot of like really graphic sex, actually, that I really wasn't expecting when I saw it originally, but like I didn't hate by any means. Um, No, this is very like much a mixture of like a passion of dancing, passion of love. Um, Very sweet. I would recommend it. I don't have a lot to say because I haven't seen it since 2019, but I remember I really liked it. With that, let's get into our actual recommendations. Um, And let's do recommendations and social media together because it always feels weird that we go around twice. So let's just do it all at once as like a closing. Paul, why don't you kick us off? Um, I'm on (laughs) Twitter and uh, letterboxed at price like tag. And gosh, it's been a rough week. Um, I guess I'm going to say... uh, I've been playing the game Hades. I know I'm pulling up something random. And in terms of story structure, I find that game really fascinating because, you know, you're used to these like open world games. That's not what this is at all, but does feel so much more like you're creating your own story. Basically how it works is um, you're trying to escape hell. And the first time you go, every time you try it, you could beat the game. Um, but your character's not powerful enough. You don't know how to play yet. You die, you go back, you have a little bit extra stuff, you keep going. It's very interesting to watch in terms of like a story um, that, you know, I'm terrible at video games. So my character's journey is taking far longer than like anyone else's version of it. Um, you know, I'm like so excited. I just got to the third level and <laughs> everyone else is like, yeah, I beat the game for the first time at 20 playthroughs and I'm at like 38 now. Uh, so it's it's interesting to like add those kind of things into your character. Um, so yeah, that's just, um, if you like video games and kind of trying out new stuff, um, that's been really fun. Perfect. Thank you for that film review or film recommendation. As always, Alina, what's your recommendation this week? Um. I've not watched anything that is like an actual film because I have re- been rewatching Supernatural. Honestly, been having a fucking great time with it because I used to love that show when I was a teenager. And I feel like since I'm living at home, I'm literally leaning into the nostalgia. So I just finished watching season one over the weekend and I'm on like episodes of season two right now. Season one is great. Um, season two is also great. I'm having a great time. I'm not necessarily recommending that you should watch Supernatural because it is 15 seasons long and like for the love of God do not do that to yourself um but 
you can watch something that like is nostalgic and happy for you because it is fun like revisiting you know that you love as a fucking idiot teenager so i'm having a good time oh my um, social media and stuff right <laughs> sure uh okay well the person said to do that and then you didn't unless i totally zoned out oh didn't paul do that yeah i did it at the beginning i don't know yeah <laughs> oh, okay 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 so yeah um i'm at alina falls okay 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 got it okay um i am at alina falls on twitter and and uh letterboxd and also i feel like i should plug the other shit i work on um i volunteer for a production company called ran pictures and i am their little podcast researcher that you should listen to not having it all it's a great podcast hosted by karis and neha um and also since i volunteer for them i'm on their submissions team for their upcoming film festival and i think the like ticket wait list is out now so you should go on that because it's like a cute little film festival in our second year um of all like short films that are either like written produced and directed by like um women or non-binary people and it's called women x so I do other things than this podcast. Welcome. Um, I would to flex. Is the lineup good? Is it good films? Um, we haven't like fully picked them all yet, but like the ones that have like gone through to the next pages, I have enjoyed them. They're good little short films so far. I would just like to point out that um, you made fun of me for my non-film recommendation, and Alina did a non-non non-film non-recommendation for hers this week so but i, I like why would you want to watch supernatural though <laughs> i just like i just like that her recommendation was i'm watching supernatural i wouldn't <laughs> don't <laughs> well so i'm just gonna give you both f's and move on with the day um my recommendation i've been covering the afi docs film festival and i've seen a lot of documentaries Boring. and one of them is on Hulu right now you can check out. It's by Don Porter, same director who did the John Lewis documentary and the Obama's documentary last year, The Way I See It. Um, but it's called Rise Again, Tulsa in the Red Summer. It's about the Tulsa massacre, but then it's also a deeper meditation on race relations within America throughout history and in the modern day. Very relevant, very, very, very well made. Um, this one genuinely quite impressed me considering it's trying to be so many things in one documentary. It's trying to be a history lesson, trying to be a political message. It's trying to be a really emotional, personal story. And it works on all accounts. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterboxd, just Carson Tamar. Uh, you can find everything reviewed that's on TV and film on Clapper at www.clapperltd.co.uk. Subscribe to us on Twitter, Facebook, or everywhere, all the social media things. Uh, listen to Clappercast podcast every single Wednesday. And we'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Never listen to the Uncut Gems podcast. They are trash. And we are the golden boys of Clapper. Goodbye. <laughs>